It's amazing what you can find on the internet. Or more accurately, it's amazing what you can find when you're mindlessly scrolling through Facebook videos late at night in the semi-paralyzed state between I should probably go to bed and but this couch is so comfortable. But I digress. Lately, I've discovered one YouTuber who, by her own description, makes and tastes novel and curious foods so you don't have to, including Great Depression-era mock apple pie with Ritz crackers substituted for apples and ketchup soup, which combines an assortment of fast food condiments, ketchup, sugar, and coffee creamer with hot water to make a virtually free meal. Now, I haven't tried either of these recipes myself, but I am struck by the ingenuity of these recipes, how a few simple ingredients combine to make a whole dish that usually tastes good in the end. I'll just take her word for it on that. But it also strikes me how food has the great power to connect us from these unusual internet recipes to backyard barbecues in the summer to church potlucks to the family dinner table. Our social lives seem to center around food. So it's no surprise to me that our scriptures are filled with stories that also center on food. Our reading from Matthew today, the feeding of the at least 5,000, is one of Jesus' most well-known miracle stories. We find it in all four Gospels. With just five loaves and two fish, Jesus feeds thousands of men and women and children. And with leftovers, there is abundance in this story and a reminder of a God who cares deeply, so deeply, to fill us with good things. That's usually how this story is read, a simple miracle story about a lot of food. But do you notice what else is going on? Taking the five loaves and two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. Does that sound familiar? Blessed, broke, gave. Those are Eucharistic words. The words that gather us around this table and this holy meal. Words that connect simple bread to a profound promise. Something similar is happening in Isaiah as well. The prophet begins with an enticing invitation, wine and milk, without money and without price. And then the invitation shifts to covenant language, a reminder of God's steadfast, sure love for the people. It's a stunning move, the ordinary stuff of life, bread and fish and water and milk, becomes a vehicle for 
divine promise, a promise of abundance and life. And there's something else going on here as well. Even before the meal is served, Jesus has compassion on the people. The Greek word, esplagnisti, which is really fun to say if I'm even saying it right, but that word is so much more poignant than the English compassion. It suggests a compassion and an empathy and a solidarity that you feel in your gut, viscerally. Jesus is physically moved to compassion, moved to action, moved to feed hungry people, to show them abundance in the midst of scarcity, to offer them hope in the midst of despair, to give them something to cling to in the midst of uncertainty. Isn't that the communion meal? A meal that church communities had to go without for a little while in the early days of this pandemic when we couldn't be together. A meal that we so hungered for that church leaders grappled with creative ways to celebrate it. This is a meal like no other. A meal that fills us until we are full, full of God's steadfast, sure love for us. So full, in fact, that we are overflowing with abundance, an abundance that can't help but spill out beyond this table, beyond this assembly. This meal that we share is never for our own sake alone, but for the sake of community. That's why we call it communion. And for the sake of the building up of the whole body of Christ. Catholic priest Gustavo Gutierrez, often called the father of liberation theology, a movement so deep in the hearts of our Salvadoran partners and others as well. He says this of the communion meal, without a real commitment against exploitation and alienation and for a society of solidarity and justice, the Eucharistic celebration is an empty action. For Gutierrez, what we do after this meal and because of this meal is just as important as the meal itself. The meal doesn't end here. It fills us and sends us out. Jesus is moved to compassion, gut-wrenching compassion, And he calls his disciples to get swept up into that work as well. You give them something to eat. But how? With just these five loaves and two fish, we'll never have enough. Anyone who knows me knows that I am a planner. Starting a project without a detailed checklist or timeline scares the crap out of me. And so I definitely relate to the disciples' pragmatism here. 
But if we're going to wait for all of the details to fall into place until we perceive that we have everything we need, we're going to be waiting a long time. If only we have this, then we can do this, right? We've all caught ourselves saying that before. But here's the good news of this miracle story. We don't have to have everything we think we need because we already have everything we need. Or rather, God already gives us everything that we need. What makes unity such a vibrant congregation is not necessarily that we have it all together all the time, but we do and we act in ways big and small, in places far from home, like in El Salvador, or in places right next door, like the Waukesha County Food Pantry. We just do and we act. This is my continued prayer for this community. Keep gathering around this table to celebrate this feast. Share God's goodness and abundance with each other. And be empowered to boldly renew the world with God's justice. Amen.